keep going. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Keep Going. In this episode, we cover the big questions. We talk about God, we talk about purpose, we talk about meaning, we talk about bucket lists. We talk about what it is to be a good human being. We talk about astrology. We talk about fate. We talk about all kinds of things. Last episode, we talked about 90s music. In this one, we're back in philosophical mode, thinking again about what it means to be a human, what it means to be a runner, what it means to be alive in this world. And we're figuring out our groove here. I know I've been saying that for a few episodes, but it definitely feels like we're catching something here. And... You know, I've been keeping an eye on the numbers of you that are listening, and we don't have a big listenership, but we seem to have a pretty decent following. So some of you guys are finding that this kind of conversation is something that you miss or need in the world. Now, I had a conversation with a friend recently, an athlete that I work with. She was asking what the vision of the podcast was, and You know, when we initially got started, it was just three guys having conversations. And then we kind of thought it might end up being a little more topical. But we keep falling into this raconteur kind of mode where we uh, where we just shoot the shit and talk about big stuff and see where it lands and where it lands with us. And it doesn't land with many of you, but those of you, it seems that it does land with. I hope you're enjoying this because we're having fun. And I think that's really the main objective we have here. We're not trying to give you a primer on how to train or how to think as an athlete. We're not trying to solve all the world's problems, although we do take a few stabs at those. Um, We do try to steal the culture. It's kind of a theme behind in the background of everything that we're talking about. But we know Three guys talking about running is not probably going to be the most interesting thing or make the top of the podcast charts, but we're enjoying ourselves. And I hope for the few of you that are listening, you are enjoying yourselves. And if you're at this point with us, I think you're going to find that this is our best episode yet. So with no further ado, I'll bring to you the episode we call Power Chillin'. I don't know how it would stand up in time, but my dad, he he always said, it's only funny if somebody laughs. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that holds up anymore, but I'm you know always what? the guy with it just does, such a short... But I could be... I'm laughing in my head, so it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... From now on, John's laughing in his head. It's oh like, I'm not going to get caught. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just I just be... like... It's something about the youth, man. It's... They... We always... I... It's it's easy to grow a little bit up 
and not see them as like these civilized little beings but then all of a sudden stuff like that happens you're like oh man you're thinking you're, you're thinking way outside the box well, you know it's not you're not just some innocent little 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 guy or gal anymore you're just no you're I, a little i'm convinced shithead. you know how like um steve our generation has been the transition between like what i don't even know what gen what are we gen x we're gen x okay yeah. so and it's um the generation before us, which is the boomers, boomers, right? Yeah. Right. We're the transition between the boomers and the millennials and the millennials mm -hmm. and millennials and younger. Like, I think because I've got kids in an age of an age who are cognizant enough of the world that they can sort of see it. Like I'm convinced the new generation is they're totally fine. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. They do not have the same ideals we do. They don't, like at least with my kids and the and the circle of friends they have there's like um there's less of a sense of materialism they're immediately more accepting of others immediately they play well with each other too they yeah. they are they collaborate in a way yep. that's very different than yeah. our generation or our parents generation yeah did. and um so i'm yeah i'm convinced they're the kids are all right man is totally I yeah. like you know I, I mean, mean if you think about what's going on politically creating all the divisiveness in this side and that right. side and everything else it's boomers on their way out and gen xers on their way in that's all politics right like nobody in the millennial generation is other than greta thornberg she's probably generation z i don't even know where she's at but um and then the next generation you know they are my stepdaughter's generation they're called alphas right because they're the they're starting all yeah, over starting again. All, yeah. yeah your sons i guess are generation z right isaac is at the very end of Z mm -hmm. and Sam is at the very front of A. Okay. Whoa. I I only, I've never heard of A. That yeah, it's, it's a new thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You haven't heard of it yet. Are they going to be, <laughs> we were talking about this in the car the other day. Do you think that they will be a little bit more, um, kind of like, uh, what was it? Is almost, would they, would they resemble, are, are they going to be a little bit more mellow than the, um, than the Gen Zers, there, I, it's hard to tell, but like, mellow in terms of like Gen Gen Z, there was a, there's a lot of style, a lot of a lot of a lot of substance and a lot of style. It's almost like the '60s, and yeah. their own little flavor of it. Yep. And and with I have this theory that this next generation, I guess it's called A, mm -hmm. is um, they're going to be a little bit more possibly subdued in, in response to that? I don't know. Could be. Could you know, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I mean, my kids are really chill and their friends for the most part are really chill. And, you know, again, this could be like the schools they've gone to or, you know, we just happen to have like-minded friends or whatever, but they're like, none of them are high-strung. There's one kid who shows up who's real high-strung and... He, he's a little something, but, um, do you but think for like, the most part, they are just like, and they're polite. And well, they're the Gen just, Z is kind of, of like, we don't want a work day. We don't want, right. you know, policies right. and things like that. Yep. Is the, are the next ones going to be like, you know well, what? I want a nine to five again. You know, if four, and years, I want, if four years difference is anything, Sam is much more into structure than Isaac is. Isaac is the old Sam one. is the, yeah. Sam okay. is the younger and he, he, uh, moves within structure much better. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe and, but I, I mean, 
that's a that's a one off. So there's yeah, no I mean, way. we don't know. I mean, that's yeah. the thing about like astrology, your chart. I mean, we've got data, good hard data that says people act a certain way if they're born at a certain time in a certain place. You don't you don't have to agree with astrology as a way to live your life, but it's certainly like, I mean, you have the anecdotal evidence of just knowing every Libra you've ever known. They're all pretty much like fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I I'm a Libra. When I meet another Libra, I know them and I see them. I'm like, oh yeah, we we've got. We're, I, I, you know, <laughs> I can like um, when it, if it comes to a straw, and Ivy can talk in talk in that world. Mm -hmm. I can never remember what is what. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part for me. But if you if you put four people in a room and they were the same, you would know you because you're a really good judge of what's reading the room and understanding right. what's going on energetically and what's happening with personalities and things like that. You get, you can tell what oh, is it in a nutshell? Yeah. Is there, is there a quick way of summarizing that? Just Cause that I don't know anything about astrology. I mean, it's basically that now there's two forms of astrology. There's um, the one we currently use, the one we think of the one that we're all like recognizing Pisces, and Correct. Like Pisces okay. um, um, and they are based on what they call the planetary stars or the moving stars, the stars that move. And um, then there's another one, which is sidereal stars. And that's like the original Mesopotamian version of that, which is like, those are the fixed stars that, you know, they're probably moving too, but because they're so far away that, and so different astrological models use those different things. But regardless, what it says is that when you're born under a certain star, it affects your personality, your way of dealing with the world and your way of being, um, connected in other ways to other people. So there's 12 zodiacal signs and then they're, and they have a type, like a type, like you might call like an archetype. And then they sort of behave in certain ways. And when you read your astrology in the newspaper, you're always like, whatever. But then there's always this little piece that you're always like, fuck, if that doesn't seem right. like weirdly accurate. And mm -hmm. um, they've done enough stuff to say that there are very strange patterns there that are going on and these are ancient like well, ancient seem, ancient it would, stuff it would actually right. seem logical right because depending on i mean i don't maybe using the wrong vocabulary but like if you're born in a certain month at a certain time gravitational pulls would be of a certain type mm -hmm. right which is just a difference in energy in the movement of energy and because we're all energy moving in different places anyway it would seem that it could have a similar effect on people absolutely you know what i mean like and I, i'm just looking at it from not even a lay but no absolutely and be. there are mythological structures attached to those body movements and bodies right. so mars the god of war there's all a myth that goes on that jupiter has its own mythology saturn has right. its mythology and all those mythological structures are now laid over top of whatever is whatever nature is actually doing, right? Because right? I think it's pretty clear nature's doing something. What's not so clear is why these mythological structures seem to match so well. Um, and I think, you know, there's two sides to that. One is you can believe in a spiritual nature of things if you want to. And I also think that there's a, a, a more evidence-based version of that, which is that people, people of the same act the same. People of the same, you know, there, there's right. just a, there's just, it doesn't have to be um, some God on high right. implementing or influencing those things. Um, but what's really weird is that humans need this narrative layer. Like they desperately need the narrative. Right. Um, 
and even our you know new atheists like uh, Hitchens and right. um, Sam Harris and those, um, they're still using the old. They're still using some. They're poo pooing the religious and poo pooing anything outside of um, that can't be evidentially brought to bear. But they're also operating with the same meta structures right. of myth and and, and story and. Um, narrative structure that are coming from an older way of being. I'm not judging them on that. Right. Um, but I think that it's uh, like, I mean, <laughs> there's a great hermetic principle was the first one, which is as above, so below. To me, just seems to be pretty much the way shit works. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever is going on up in the heavens seems to have an effect what's going on on earth. Whatever's happening on earth has an effect. And what happens inside of you, look at organizations, what's happening up above is actually then coming out to play. I found this out one year when I was coaching at UT and walked down a hallway and I saw a sign that said, coaches are a reflection, athletes are a reflection of their coach. I might've mentioned this before, but it's a really cool sign. It's a picture of, at the time it was, um, uh, I forget the name of the coach. Anyway, it had the picture of the head coach at Texas on the wall and he says, athletes are a reflection of their coach. When I first saw it, I was like, this is bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. And then you coach for a couple of years and you realize really quickly it's absolutely true. As above, so below. Whatever is going on up top filters down energetically through whatever that is. If you call right. energy, I don't know what it is, influence, psychological profiling, um, love, God, spirit. I, don't, I mean, to me, it's like you could have yeah. conventional scientific evidence-based terminology for that. You also have, and I don't think that they're, I don't know why everybody thinks they're at odds. To me, it's all one fucking thing anyway. Right. And, as, and at the end of the day, the one thing we do know for sure is that we don't know. Yeah. That's the one thing we know for sure. Right. So even atheists, they don't know. Right. <laughs> right. And the only people that might know are the people who died yeah. and came back, the near-death people. And what do they tell us? Well, there's fucking something out there, man. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and all the atheists want to deny that picture because they're like, wait, 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 wait. But that's just an epiphenomenon of the brain. When that happens, they have these things. And of course, it would make sense that those patterns would fall through consistently. So I get their argument. And I'm, I'm not again, I'm kind of agnostic about it. I mean, I lean towards the spiritual side because to me, it's like, why not? It's just a better story. Yeah. It's an easier way to live. Yeah. I mean, I don't look at the squirrel and say, the squirrel is the wonder all the myth of the squirrel and what it means and what right. it is. It's just like, I'm fucking chilling with the squirrel. Yeah. You know, or a tree, whatever that yeah. is. Like, yeah. I don't have to be that thing. Anyway, how do we get off on this topic? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had a pretty heavy week. Yeah. We need to pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> I got, I, woo, that was good stuff. Typical Sisson. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that right there's a typical season it's, with some it's a jelly. holiday Altoid season, so please <laughs> indulge. Uh, no, I I could I I have a feeling that we could have a very educated slash uneducated conversation about that one day. Uh in length. And it'd be very entertaining and I can't wait to have that one because I actually figured it out, the whole thing. So. <laughs> If y'all want to know my take Yesterday. on it, I've got it. I've got it. And it's just yeah. like throwing double A's into a little tiny toy. And well, brother, what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you're holding back now. <laughs> Tell. Okay. <laughs> Buckle up. What did we want to talk I, about this you need week? To, you need to monetize it. <laughs> monetize before the you even Before you even put it on paper. <laughs> a tray you started as a running shoe company, it became a cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we 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 ended last week, and 
had this crazy idea of trying to to nail down um, if we could boil down a bucket list item to um, if we could if we could actually come to the bottom of it if if all three of us would be willing to take the week and kind of think on if we could accomplish one thing uh, from now until the period of I guess we we could call it. Uh, I don't know if it's morbid to call it death. Is it? But it just in our waking life right now, if there's something that we we felt compelled to kind of like say, like, is there something in there that we want to accomplish within this lifetime? What would that be? And it was a really really fun journey for me. I thought about it quite a bit, and I came up with some really interesting stuff. But um, yeah, when you mentioned it um, last Thursday, we we all we both lit up. Yeah. It was a, like it was we a were like, one. boom, okay. Yeah. Then we wondered, is this ever going to go back to being a running podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> they, we would have to uh, do. We would have to like make the musical, the music interludes, like a monthly thing at that point. Yeah. Just to keep our momentum exactly. from completely going off the rails. But we I would totally have to. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, how does everybody feel about? cracking it open is that is that something we should um talk about because there are no rules um i just want to know how everybody's feeling about it and if if we we think that it was something that we should break off it's a really big it's a like it's like the big question in a lot of ways you know what i mean so it's not really something that you can just break off because it's it's an always evolving thing Mm -hmm. right so it would be like it would almost be like that that would have to be a reoccurring episode of its own rather than like you know what i mean because each new experience is going to change your outlook and your perception on it and you can have a really profound experience that changes things overnight or you could have a thing that evolves over time but yeah that's that question is just what like at least for me is too big to just like put into a few cents. Like I couldn't even be, I mean, I couldn't even begin to, Mm -hmm. but I mean, obviously I, that's what I think about like all, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you and I have a completely different take on that. Cause we're both like, I had three things. I couldn't, like you're like one thing. I can't even go down one thing. Like John's got zero. You've got one. I've got like like, a myriad. (laughs) 11 dejillion that's just the thing and I can't I it's impossible that would be impossible for me I just don't I just don't have the capacity to I wrapped my head around this this week Mm. by saying maybe I needed to I just break things into three in my life anyway I love the number three and I'm like body mind and soul I always go there right like body mind soul it's just Mm -hmm. easy way for me to frame most everything that I experience Um, and so I was able to come up with three things that I think of I'd like to achieve before the end of my life Um, and those three areas but um much like our 90s music selection each time i settled in on one i felt so much like john's probably talking about like well how would i how would i mean one of them is like nearly impossible not impossible that's not true but one of them is highly unlikely given where I'm at my life now and where I want to, where I'm going to be in the long haul. And it's sort of like this super pie in the sky, total bullshit one. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, well, then that's not a real thing. Well, 
it, I have had this feeling since I was seven. The same yeah. thing has been the thing since I was seven. So That's does, awesome. that, does yeah. that make it less valuable? Does that make it not real? Does it make it, you know, so I think that I loved, I loved the, the problem, the little, I like to call them problems, things that are a challenge that I need to deal with and overcome and spend some time working with. And so I loved it. I loved that this was what we worked on. I did feel like I was cheating by doing three, but I know that if I had to choose between the three, I could pick one as the primary, you know, but for sure. And I think, um, you came in swinging with kind of the, the, the first throwing in your, your, your picks for the first three pieces of music that you wanted to put into the mix. And, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll just throw mine in there and see if we can kickstart it and see where it goes. But uh, is that all right with y'all? For sure, because John's going to give us one of his bajillion. <laughs> For yeah, sure. we just we're going to get one out of John, <laughs> and we're going to see where this goes. But I I gravitated towards this. Um, ever since I was a kid, I want specifically what it looks like is I want to stand on a stage one day and play a body of work or music that I actually believe in. And it got me thinking because every time I go down and sit down to write, it's an unfulfilling process for me. It actually is counterproductive and it's over before it begins. <laughs> and, and it's just, it, it doesn't feel like the journey to get there is is something that I am harnessing or nourishing or anything like that. Um, and, but I do know that there is this almost impossible task to stand on the stage and be one of those artists that has something to say. I, because I associate that sometimes with, especially in the music world, is like, if you got something to say, it's more just like, if I have something to say, I'm dealing with it internally. It's not necessarily for everybody else to share with me. Right. Like the stuff that I tackle is very internal. So it is my goal to to see if one day I, I would really just want to know what that feels like once to stand on stage and be like, I'm here for a fucking reason. I love what I do and this is what's going to happen. But it, it parlayed quickly into this idea that I was briefly talking with you about this morning, John, uh, before you got here, Steve, was this, uh, my brother has this phrase, he calls it power chilling, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's basically east-west, and it's this idea that the east is, you know, eastern, you know, thinking is, is it's bad to sum it all up, but let's just say, like, you have a, uh, how do you balance tangibly, like, capitalism and just living being in right. balance and living and just living the life like i'm here with this this body and this mind and this spirit and kind of existing in the world as it is like just let it exist as it is and seeing what that means and always being like pushing and pulling against like we live in a western society that is like super money driven and this and that and it got me into this it's like what is music without like, is there a profit associated with this, you know, right. endeavor? Is there a lot of people listening? What would that look like? And it got really confusing really quick and it turned into this 
yeah, almost this this idea that the, maybe the biggest desire that I have is to achieve some type of fulfillment out of leaving it as it is, mm-hmm. you know, my body and my mind, just letting it come and go. And I don't, th- as much as I talk about it and as much as I instill it in the values of whatever I'm doing, that I do because I'm practicing that. I'm not doing it because it's who I am. I'm, I am a very um, disturbed kind of like there's disturbance in my thoughts and there's disturbance in my existence like I'm always kind of battling with this kind of self-identity and what it is to be what it what it what does it mean to to live and what is faith and what is you know the absence of that like what what is what am I in general so it got me thinking very on a very very big spectrum to say like if there is an impossible goal it's to be balanced and 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 know and experience that and just know what that feels like. I get it through meditation sometimes, but like even that's work. So right. I, I don't know. I it got me thinking really, really into that. I mean we could talk about the, the body aspect and the the sport aspect and everything that's associated with that, but I think they're all equal and the same. I think I'd like to stand on stage and have something that I'm truly passionate about sharing with no expectation in return. And also to kind of, I think that plays into the bigger role is kind of letting it lay as it is. What are the, what are the barriers to succeeding in that endeavor? You mentioned one of them being, um, maybe the inner critic, kind of pushing pretty hard when you sit down to try to write a song or try to do something like that. Have you ever spent time thinking about creating with that bigger picture in mind in essence, or is it always like a small creation may end up fulfilling into that bigger role or there's a lot there. That's a lot of yeah, question there. No, it's, two it's pretty, it usually is because I'm such a process driven thinker that I can see the outcome. I know what it tangibly looks like and could possibly be like for anybody else watching me perform this thing. But it's only worth it if it matters something to me. So from a process standpoint, I can reverse engineer. I've There's been rare times in my life where I couldn't reverse engineer something, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my speed. I can see something, I can break it into tiny little process parts and I can master those tiny little process parts. And I'm not going to be like, it doesn't mean that I'm always, you know, the best man for the job at kind of the process of what I'm trying to, for example, like designing running shoes. I'm not the best running shoe designer, but in terms of the process, I think that I could pull it apart enough and break it into a series of tiny steps to where it was like, okay. But time will tell if running shoe design is that thing where I'm on stage and I go, I've created this shoe. Everybody needs it. And, and like feel that in a way that like, or, or like truly embody the ethos of you need to buy this brand or this song or whatever because I truly, truly, truly believe in it. And I'm saying deep down, there is a speed that's associated with that 
total, total like desire to be, let's maybe it's like in love with the, the thing that we're doing to where we need to share it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that that's uh, I think that's a gift if we can experience, some people have that and some people, um, like myself, like we end up reverse engineering a lot of things um, to where maybe it takes some of the feel out of it. I don't know. I'm just being totally honest right now. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird little situation, but I well, mean, I, I think what you're describing is something that I think happens to a lot of people, even in their distance running. In their running, they start to think that I want to achieve this goal of running 26.2 miles, or run a hundred mile, or run a 5k. And then they get into the minutiae. They reverse engineer, which is break it down into component parts or find a coach to help them break it down into the component parts. And then they get lost in the division. Um, And then at what what I try to do as a coach, and I know John tries to do the same thing, is we're trying to get you to remember at a deep level, which is the origin of the world, which is Mm remembering, taking those those chopped up parts and bringing those members to a whole to say, okay, now we're going to remember why you did it in the first place. If you used to make a perfect shoe or to write this piece that was sitting on stage, is going to be this beautiful piece. It's easy to break it down. It's much, much harder than to create a co to recognize the cohesiveness and then to stand behind it in a way. Luckily with us, we've got race dates. So there's like, Oh, show up. And then you're like, Oh, I partially remembered. I didn't get all of it. And I think it's an ongoing process for most people, but I, that's why I asked about whether or not you felt like it, what's the barrier. Yeah. Because the barrier seems to me like you have no problem breaking it down. If we're going to use that sort of, um, bring it back to an integrity to a one, right. You can break mm-hmm. it down to all the pieces. What would it look like to be on stage and put a piece out that I felt really, really good about? It's probably going to be a 90 minute long produ- production, maybe 60 minute long production. Exactly. It's going to have multiple songs or suites of songs that go together and something going on. And my drummer's going to do just the right twirl of his drumsticks at the, just the right time, or something's going to come flying out of the sky and some theatrical, you know, you, you'll mm-hmm. break all those pieces down, but then it's like, okay, how do you bring them all back? The barrier is that, I mean, if we were even talking about like, Dylan and Royal Albert Hall and why that was such a special concert, it would be tough not to want to create that for anybody who wants to stand on stage with a guitar because it went first set into, um, it was so beautiful. Like, he, like I mean, just look at that performance and he, he comes out swinging with some acoustic stuff, but he's clearly not in his right mind. But maybe he is, and nobody really knows it. So there's like this ambience of mystery surrounding what the fuck is going on, and then, and then the band the comes out. Well, yeah. then there was a context for all that too. Is that everybody wanted that style, and he knew they wanted it, so he's producing it for them while he knew he was about to bring out right. Robbie Robertson and Grant, yeah, uh, Garth Hudson. I mean, so <laughs> bring out the boys, and they were going to tear it up. So play the bar- fucking hard. <laughs> so the barrier is, is ironically. To me, it's that. It's that that exists and that's a template of something that exists and it's hard for me to remove that from me. Mm. You know what I mean? It's hard to remove a sub three hour marathon from the goal of a beautiful race. Like you would say, it's hard to remove what we know and to be who we are. That's the problem for me. Oh yeah, we've lost you, you. And this isn't just you, but we've lost our genius. I think I we've think lost deep down that inside, we don't yeah. we don't recognize our genius, and so we just think 
you might not, you might think the value of each one of those individual songs or where you position them is going to be good, but you don't know. But the barrier is, is you're not sure you can make them all come out to some kind of cohesiveness that will measure up to Royal Albert Hall or some other or the wall. There's a like I think about the wall. When you there, talk about what yeah. you talk about, my vision is the wall. Mm-hmm. Like never has anyone ever seen anything quite like one man's vision against all odds to get presented in not only music, but in a movie and then to be replayed over and over again in yeah. so many ways. It's like, like Royal Albert Hall, there was just a bunch of dudes doing Dylan's music and it turns into, that was a, that was a mistake. That was a beautiful mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wall, Robert, Roger Waters' wall, that'd be Pink Floyd's wall, but it's not right. Pink Floyd's yeah. wall, it's Roger Waters. That, that's a, you create that. There, was, there, was, there, there are, was a that, purpose to that. That yeah. is a director's vision who is making every little piece of the decision. So interesting. In mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's, so there's influence. There was experience that kind of leads up and culminates into that. But um, to me, admittingly, those inputs just become very confusing. Like even in designing footwear, when everybody's moving into backs and $150, you know, daily trainers and right. things like that. It's just confusing not to have that as an input. The market exists. What are we doing yep. here? Like, like what, what, how do you even, why is that the new benchmark? And I didn't even set it. It's not my benchmark. Right. It has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with the way that I want to design or put things out there, but it exists. So to, to, um, to let the, the ideas come as they are, it's hard for me to kind of live that in that balance. Um, cause I'm a, I do believe that I'm a product of kind of my thinking is, is, is involved in that. That's the biggest barrier of, of, of being kind of beholden to, um, something other than my inherent desires, I suppose. Isn't I don't know. It, isn't it interesting, John? We were, we were supposed to talk last week about right and wrong, yep. and now here's right and wrong is because yep. what you're confronted with is what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. While you know at your deepest level there's no such thing, but just because they're existing in the market, in the market of shoes, there's these structures that you think are in play that you've got to decide you're going to play or not play. And in the musical world, it's the geniuses of all the geniuses and, and how they and they're yeah. right and they're wrong. Like yeah. they're not going to tell you it's right or wrong. It's like, yeah. but it, isn't it so interesting how our barrier? I always I like that question. What's the barrier? Because then it makes you sort of say, oh, is this a small thing? Because yeah, sometimes well, it is. At a practical level, you can't miss a deadline and go, hey man, what is time anyway? <laughs> you know, because you whoever whoever's deadline you just missed is going to go. Well, it obviously has nothing to do with you anymore. We're gonna Which go is why I love what my brother said so much. Yeah. Just like power chilling. He's been obsessed with it. Like as yeah. it, it's been a tragic family endeavor to try and understand power chilling. From- I mean, that's the yin and the yang. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the yin and yang. It's what it is. It's like you're, you've got both sides, the feminine, the masculine and the feminine. What is receptive? Chilling, receiving, chilling. Power is the male element, the masculine element of pushing and pushing and pushing and we we're dichotomizing that in our world as east and west because our west has been so power driven but it's existing in all of us i mean that's the original doubt that's the original right the original religion was one and two yeah (laughs) or one in one in all the forms right however you want to go with that yeah i think like it's in the in the structure of like in the shoe world right it's you have all these shoe companies and a lot of them are really, really big, right? Billions of dollars. 
and they they have the power of moving the market, manipulating it, um, molding it in ways that, and you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, that all the, you know, so $150 running shoes that is your daily trainer is the standard now that people just automatically buy into because that's what everybody sort of decided on. And that is like, to me is when the, when someone goes out to buy a pair of running shoes and they, and maybe they don't have years and years of history of knowledge of running shoes or running or whatever, and they're going and asking someone at a running shoe store, it's going to be re really, really generalized information that comes at them for the most part. Right. Um, and so almost from the beginning, the, the consumer, if you want to, whatever is like led down this path of, well, running shoes are $150. They, you know, there's, I don't have any other options and it's, taken away I think now that now that running stores and have become like I don't know I didn't even know the word but what I'm trying to all this circuitous talk is that all that stuff is going on outside of what you're doing and you can be aware of it but just don't let it come inside what you're doing you know what I mean? Because that's that's when you stay awake all night long. That's the goal. Yeah, like that's Just that's kind of like living you, that, finding that rhythm, is in 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 owning that yeah. rhythm, owning that perspective. Yeah. It to me is the ultimate goal in life. I yeah. I determined that being aware, but not letting it affect me. Yeah. Objectively understanding my thoughts and feelings and emotions, like truly, truly being balanced in that kind of thing yeah. to me it's the pursuit it's like it call it the pursuit of nirvana or whatever right. like i mean there's there's a dozen different ways to talk about it yeah but to me it i, I think i think it all comes back to that idea can i attain that enlightenment and and, and understand what is enlightenment in music what is enlightenment in work what is enlightenment in what is what does that mean this um you know there's like i mean i i'm actually kind of curious if if your goals kind of came out to even remotely resemble some type of thought process like this? Oh, mine definitely did. I mean, but, so I've got three categories. I've got mind, body, and soul. So my mind one, my body one was something I had since I was a little kid. I don't know if you guys probably didn't read it. There was a book called Walk Across America by yeah. a guy named Peter Jenkins, and he was, took his dog. He had a life crisis. He took his dog and he walked across country. So as a little kid, I read that book, and there was a sequel that came out to it, and I was like, I'm going to run around the circumference of the country. And I actually literally had drawings and maps and everything else I created to do that. When I got a little older, it just seemed a little cheesy. And then I got hooked on running um, the Pacific Crest Trail. For some reason, a, the, the Appalachian Trail didn't get me as much. I'm definitely West person in my ways. Like right. I've definitely leaned that direction. Um, and so that's my, my main goal. My, my body goal would be to run the Pacific Crest Trail, like just to do run it. And I don't really mean that I have to run every step of it, but just be on it, not with a big pack, right. but with a small pack and then mail, 
you know, I mean, I did all the math. I, I probably have a notebook somewhere that actually has the P, the PO boxes that I would mail the packages to awesome. and those kinds of things. So that's never gone away, you know, and um, that's the one that I think in some ways is probably not going to happen just because I get a little older and I'm not sure I want to get out there and do all that. But that's definitely a life goal that's never gone away that's been there. Mm-hmm. The other one from a mind perspective is always been write a book always been write a book. So in that case, it's really similar to yours. So it's like, what would that book be? I mean, it ranges from the simple thing of writing some kind of training tone that people could use and benefit from. Um, that's been a, like the most recent idea for the last five to 10 years has been something running related. That's, that's kind of in my wheelhouse of the sort of mental spiritual end of those things. Cause nobody needs another freaking physiology text or <laughs> how to structure your training program or why this workout works. And that one doesn't, I mean that, that stuff is experiential anyway, but maybe a guidebook to help people live a life that uh, to take running as a path, right. As a path with heart, maybe. But I also have always wanted to write like the new Lord of the Rings. I mean, seriously, like I'm a fantasy freak. Mm-hmm. I read fantasy novels. And if it's not three, if it's not a trilogy, I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got like four copies of Lord. I mean, I tell you, J.R. Tolkien is like my hero. That was the first, that's where I read. I mean, I read all my life as a kid, but that was the first time I read. Oh my goodness. That was life changing. If you get hooked on it, it's like, oh man. Yeah. I mean, my family stories are still related to the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and Bilbo and Frodo and being on a journey. And that journey is all of life. And um, so I've always, I've thought about that part as like some, maybe not necessarily fantasy, not anyway. So those, so those, those two areas. And the third one is really related to the meta novel na- narrative here, which you were talking about, um, Michael, which is like the pursuit, right? So this idea of enlightenment, which I don't think exists personally. I, don't, I think I, I, I have battled my whole life. So I'll give you a little context was born and raised in the Church of Christ, which is super fundamentalist Christian background. Right. And um, it was a, it was, it's, a, it's a faith of the book, um, and the book is written, and you follow the word, and you don't do anything else. It's just what was OG. OG, the book. And no extra, not e- just the Old Testament and the New Testament, primarily anything, but not, not Revelation, because there's some weird shit in there, right? <laughs> so, um, but I, sort of, when I, I remember when I was 12, I, I, I waited till I was 12 to get baptized because I was like, I'm going to make it serious because I watched kids get baptized before that. I'm like, I'm going to make this a really serious thing. I was very committed to it. And I got baptized and I kept waiting for this idea that I had of this, like dove was going to come down out of the sky and it was going to come into my body in some way and I would be better. Like that original sin was going to go and I would be okay. And nobody in my church tradition believed that, right. even though that's what the whole point of it is, is that you get dipped and you're saved. Once saved, right. always saved, just done. But yet you're still sinning. I'm like, wait, <laughs> isn't it not supposed to matter anymore? Yeah. I mean, aren't, didn't I take the ultimate? And I did it in a way that wasn't just cavalier and say, you know, right. I just want to be saved. So I'm just going to do it. Right? right. I did it. Cause I was, and then I wanted this thing to happen mm. and it didn't happen. So all my life has been pursuing that Holy spirit, like all my life in one way or another whether that's a literal spirit in drinking (laughs) or a metaphorical one in, you know, when I was a runner, it was like chasing some kind of ultimate means, you know, it's like then the name of my business is Telos Running, which is ultimate aim. Like what's your pursuit? What's your ultimate, ultimate aim? And so I would say that the last piece would be to 
find God, right? Like in some That's, yeah. meaningful way that, that might, and I think I'm getting closer and closer to that in the sense of saying it's neither here nor there. It is, it is power chilling. Right, it is power chilling. That that particular it's so goal interesting is that power that's always chilling. at the top of the pyramid of of the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it. It, it ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, right? But so those are my three, and I don't know that any of them. Well, I'm certain one of them will get done for sure, and the other ones we'll see. You know, a lot, a lot of other things were were on the cutting room floor, you know. But these three were ones that I could point back to. Um, being a young man, like being a little boy and knowing, all right, this is, I remember the first book I ever picked up and really read. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And here I am at 52 or three and I don't have anything to do. Nothing, nothing is moving in a book form. You know what sure. I mean? It's like, that's why I was asking you like barriers. It's like, then we, we have these big goals. We talk about them, especially John and I, we're getting a little older. We're getting a little longer in the tooth. Like some of these things, you know, I mean, Life's uncertain. Ageism <laughs> is real, man. <laughs> yeah, I think those were those were incredible. Actually, yeah. I liked hearing about them. <laughs> I was totally. I didn't. I didn't know the whole. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know the whole thing about you um, going off into the Hobbit and everything when you were little. Oh, I yeah. think that was so like. I just assumed that it was like you sort of had to read that book or know the stories in order to be like a legitimate child. Every I just think everybody knew about it. It was one like, and those are, you know, those are only fantasy books because the settings have been changed. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're original. They're original stories. I, I, I'm a, I have a little bit of an issue with um, Joseph Campbell, the mythologist. Right. He he's constantly talking about the hero's journey. And I don't think the hero's journey is the right journey for all of us to be focusing on, especially in our uh, power part of that angle, right? right. The, the hero's journey is, a, is dangerous. It kind of, that's where my mind went actually. And I think that that's where Frodo and Bilbo are so perfect because the ring, um, the ring changes them and right. twists them and turns them into not, I mean, with Bilbo, it's definitely an ugly thing. Like, he's not the hero. He's something else. He's really struggling. Um, and it doesn't fit the narrative structure, the perfect narrative structure of the of the, of the the myth of the hero. Um, and even, you know, Bill, Frodo doesn't even do the final deed. I mean, right. sorry for all you guys who haven't read it all the way, but his buddy has to do the deed. Yeah. Because he can't do it himself. So it's like, here we've got this and these, these amazing... That's what I love so much about Tolkien is he just takes those things and doesn't make it easy. You know, he was Catholic, so he's there's a there's an element of pagan sort of the knowledge of the classic knowledge of of all I mean all the things he knew to right. do what he did to build the worlds that he did to know the languages that he did to create the the poetry that he wrote and the songs mm -hmm. that he wrote. Those things are so beautiful, and then in it is this thread of a fool's journey, in my opinion, like. We're never going to figure that out. And so how can I say I want to find God if I don't even, and I know at the end I'm not going to find it. It's like, well, that's the paradox. <laughs> it's the thing. It seems linear when we explain it, but it's kind of not, it's, it's almost like if you put too many cards on the linear aspect of doing it, then it can just become too heavy. 
Well, yeah, and then it becomes to be a narrative that has to be follow a certain structure. It's like, what are we so frustrated and with then Hollywood you start about? To look like, at life, you back up and you're like, this is life. I've only got this, and this is the time, and it's scary. And you keep backing it up, and might as well go get this. I might. I need to be a pro before the age of when athletes right. start peaking at around 35, and then you know, ah, fuck, I'm 36, and it yeah. didn't happen yet. And I deal with this with music all the time. It's like I was telling Lena the other day about how to fit because I realized that like. I'm 36. Wait, am I 30? I'm 35. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I'm 35 and I'm like, I can't come out with a folk album because all everybody, my punk album didn't come out. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> punk album didn't come out 10 years ago. And what the fuck? So it's it, it just, it, and I'm, and I get caught in these feedback loops of thinking and, and I'm doing it with my endurance career right now. I don't have any goals, no goals. And, you know, went to the pool this morning and just flopped around in the water. You know, it's just like no goals, but it felt nice and it felt balanced, but it, it, there was something pulling like, where's the hero's journey in this? And I don't want to get too caught up in that because I don't think it matters. And I think that maybe my beautiful race is to not have a race idea in mind. Like, I don't know, Steve. It's just been, it's been well, rocking that, me lately. That narrative that we've been talking about with the shoe companies and their, and their, their power push, their push for what power really is. And, you know, I think that the one thing I can say for sure is anything that's related to generating revenue as its primary objective is a perfect model for to do the opposite of what they're doing at the time that they're doing it. Yeah. So it's, if they're pushing one direction, you should look to the flip because they're doing it for a market reason, not for a not for a real re real need reason. Mm. So it's like where are guiding principles? I think Power Chill can provide you with a really valuable resource to at least look at that so is it chilling now because we've seen the market chilling a lot and then we see the market powering and you go back and forth mm -hmm. i mean underneath the whole thing is a is a sick twisted energy of of what we're doing to our planet what we're doing to our workforces what we're doing with everything else that's just going to run its course at some point in time um as we are seeing a lot of the whether that happens in our lifetimes or our children's lifetimes or our great, great grandchildren's lifetimes, who knows? But, um, I don't, I think you're, you've got a, you've got a nice model there to say with power chilling, which is by the way, going to be the title of this. If with God, your brother's I permission, I've, I've, he'll, he's going to love it. With he's, your brother's he's permission. absolutely going to love it. Yeah. He's, cause he's, he's so, uh, enthralled in this idea. Like well, it's John with your, with, since you're not ready to come with a, with a life goal, how about, uh, how about how power chilling gets related in your world? I mean, you, you've, you've brought every single time we have one of these meetings, we've brought your son to bear on a conversation. So I'm certain that the power chilling theme is definitely well, part of being a dad. So I was thinking <laughs> like the only thing I can really sort of nail down is that I would want when my kids have reached the end of their life for them to go, I'm happy and healthy. And mm. I mean, just genuinely like, all is good that's that's probably like that's probably that's maybe the number one thing and i even can't even really sort of codify that i don't know how to because i don't know how i mean certainly at this point they're like he's kind of cool but not 
cool also. So I, you know, I, I think there, I don't know. That's the only thing I can't think of anything like that is like my goal. Like I want to run, I, it would like, I want to be able to run every single day. Like if I could run every single day, if you could be a real streaker, like do the ultimate streak, like get on the ultimate streak. If I could physically do it, that would be, that would be really cool. And that's maybe the only thing, but it's not even that big of a deal. It's interesting because you're the person between the three of us that has had the closest brush with death. Yeah. And you're the least, least worried about some kind of major threshold you've got to cross before you finish. Yeah. It's <laughs> because it's like, I don't know, man. It's, um, we were sort of talking about this this morning, Michael, before, uh, Steve got here, it, but it's, um, like when I started working in the corporate world, I was so green to those types of structures and all that kind of stuff. And so the learning curve was just vertical. You know, it was, it was really like a sink or swim. And I, um, I learned so much about how, at least I don't know about any other industry, but in the running shoe world, like how all that stuff gets done and, um, it just like that is it it's not set in reality it, in the way that they're trying to create something in response they're not they're not responding to a need right they're trying to create a need like you know with the original iPhone or whatever you know that kind of thing and like all the big companies now call themselves marketing companies who make X, Y, and Z, right? So they've all kind of admitted that they've lost the ball, right? Oh, they've admitted that they're full of shit. That yeah. They're bu- that they're, what they're selling is bullshit. Right. Maybe and, they're not there if they're full of shit, that, they, that they're selling bullshit. Right. And so when you decide that you want to make a shoe that is like fulfills the essence of what a running shoe is at its most fundamental level. That's, that's a really, really big step, right? Because everybody else is doing it the, the polar opposite way. And so that in and of itself is like the inspiration to make all those really difficult decisions where you have to make phone calls and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because you got like, we are the, you know, we're the fundamentalists of this. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this morning, I think I've been sort of distracted by what he was saying this morning and it's just like, and then when we started talking about, you know, power chilling. I was, my brain got overloaded. So <laughs> I get really distracted, but it's, I, I think that the, just the pursuit itself of doing something because it's fundamentally kind of the right thing to do. 
is uh, is the inspiration enough? You know what I mean? Because you're 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 um, you're not doing anything superfluous. You're not doing anything extraneous. You're not doing anything redundant. You know what I mean? And all of that other stuff is that was all all of that comes from focus groups. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know and what so, you mean. It's yeah. so it's certainly a again, hard- right right or wrong kind of comes in. Yeah. And again the pursuit comes in and again uh I mean you can you can sum all this up into we've got pursue God, we've got pursue balance we've got pursue right or wrong all of them just throwing it out there like finding finding the balance between the area of existence between right and wrong i'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who didn't use that as one of their life goals like i don't know how you do it i don't know how you live like like i don't know i i could could see some extreme examples, but I, I don't know. But see, don't that know. idea of pursuit. So what you're saying is that you don't know anybody that has isn't using pursuit as a way. Pursuit in general. They, so, but the he, idea of a goal is novel in itself. Well, it's the human. I think it's our. I think it's been baked into us by whatever the power that runs the show is, whether that's just whatever that is, like evolution, if you will. Right. Okay, like I call it love but somebody else could call it evolution. What it is, is just, that is pursuit. Mm-hmm. It is chasing the next, not in a bad way. Like, right. like John, your main goal, your, your, your thing, what would what, what, what that be? That my children are healthy, happy, and strong. That is the, that is the fruit, the juiciest fruit of the, of the evolutionary tree. Right. Because then they are going to be more likely to be attractive and create more children, which then will pursue, which will continue that pursuit of a life right. going. And so I think that sometimes when we think about pursuit, it's like, is it some, towards something alive? But this is why I bring the practice to bear in my experience with running, because pursuit is so overactive in our, in my area. Um, it is, it is Everyone recognizes that the elephant in the room is that they're getting those into cannabinoids and they're having these wonderful experiences and it's making them thinner and happier and more cognitively flexible and better able to handle all the things that come down in life. But all they're doing is chasing that new goal. Right. But it's like, no, there's actually going on underneath this is a practice, yeah. a day-to-day practice. Right. And I think that your brother's question about power chilling is the way that those two things are balanced is in a life that recognizes them both as equally valid and valuable, but just having a different, like the sun, when the sun comes up, none of, some people are like, yay, the sun's up. When the sun goes down, some people are like, yay, the sun went down. But we all know we need the sun to go up and the sun to go down. Right. That's how everything works. So in essence, it's like the practice is saying, I'm gonna be the one, the whole, whereas the pursuit is that sort of, okay, the sun is up. And I'm not valuing one over the right. other. It's just like saying there's like it, it, it. If you do a practice consistently, you will see how the pursuit is really not the most important thing that it's the it's the thing that's getting you out of bed in the morning It's the thing that's getting you to write those songs mm-hmm. that's getting you to book that to book that venue at some point in time to get you in, out of your comfort zone to get on that stage for your sphincter puckering and you about to do 
your thing, right? Or I'm on the starting line in whether I start in Mexico or I start in Canada and I decide which direction I'm going to go and my sphincter puckers and goes, here we go. This is going to be six months or however long of a thing. One thing going on and on and on. But each one of those things is like, okay, but when I get to the finish, what happened at the finish? It's just a whole bunch of practice. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of the pursuit just ends up being a whole bunch of practice. That's, that's what's so interesting. I, the first album I ever recorded that wasn't my own home demo. Um, I was in a rut. We were just going through some weird shit, uh, with my life. And, uh, my friend Paul, who was kind of like my sobriety, um, just the ultimate guide. And all he said at, at one given point in time, he was like, I was like, oh, I'm a couple weeks sober. And he goes, oh, you have superpowers. You can drive around, you know, basically the idea that you can, you can drive your car, do donuts in the middle of the road and get a traffic citation if you can explain it relatively well and nobody's life's at harm and it's superpower. You can do anything you want now. I was like, oh, fuck it. Like... So being sober is not a problem. Being sober is a superpower. And he, he was the guy that instilled that. And at one given point in time, he goes, you're never going to, he goes, he goes, you want to make an album? I was like, yeah, I want to make an album. And he goes, I booked the recording studio. So booked the recording studio. We wrote the album in like a week and we recorded it in about a weekend. It was fucking beautiful. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And then that was done. And it's like, now what? So I think, Steve, that you could probably carve out time. You could decide where you're going to start and then go for it. But you got to book the time. But even in those moments, there will be a, you're going to wake up that day. You will be on the trail and you got to keep going. You got to keep doing it. And it's a series of these that's where I think the pursuit and the balance is bigger than any of the goals that we can even conceive of. Because I think this there's much bigger than this. Like it's it's much bigger than the things. Like the the out first and foremost, I would love to read whatever the work is that you're going to put out, just because I'd be genuinely interested in what that looks like and feels like and I, I just hope I get the experience to do that. <laughs> but at the same time, I know when you're Follow writing it through, motherfucker. It, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be you digging into the pages. And then one day it's going it to be done. Is. It's like, it's going to, it's so, it's so interesting that way. I, there was this moment and I know there was this moment where I was like going real deep into the God is love thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to think God was this, it, it either, God is love. So you're going to talk about God or you're going to talk about love. Do you want to define love or do you want to f- define God? So it's really interesting. Is it a thing or is it an idea? Is it, and I kind of came out of a couple experiences thinking that love is balance. Love is fertile soil. Love is the absence of confusion. Love is the, uh, love is just everything that's kind of in existence. This fourth dimension, this planar idea that kind of we're all connected. And love is balance. So God is balance. So it's not necessarily something. It's actually the absence of something. It's the presence of nothing. It's the presence of the oneness. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And that's where I'm like, well, you're damn right God is love. Because if love is balance, then we can work with something here. 
because I don't need to necessarily define God. I can try and define what love means and it makes it a little bit more palatable as a feeble-minded human being where I'm just like, I'm just kind of rolling around in my, in my day to days. But, um, that's, that's my take on this. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been in that, I've been in that for a while now mm. and I've, and instead of defining the heavier aspect of it, I kind of like to put my cards on balance because it's just a little bit more palatable. I don't yeah. know. I, I, it's interesting that you use love as balance. It's like, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. It's fertile soil. It's what we've been talking about around with all of this. You know, my experience with, um, when I was in my dark days of seriously drinking pretty heavily and lost and didn't know where I was at, my, I had a few experiences of being, you know, inebriated, really, 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 really drunk. And, having an experience of that Holy Spirit that I had been looking for since I was a little kid in those moments where I was so inebriated that I thought I saw God. It was like, was mm-hmm. it an alien? What it was, I mean, I had to try to have a conversation with my partner afterwards. Like, what was that? And she's like, you're a cuckoo with a coconut. You're crazy as a loon. And, um, but I do know that at that time, that what came shining through, right? What comes bashing through this, all of that inebriation and everything else is, it's just, I knew it was just love, mm-hmm. but I hadn't thought of love. So I've always known God is love. Mm-hmm. Right? And that is the foundational premise of most religious right. traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But to think of it from a balanced perspective, it like ties in this power chilling. It changed everything it's for me. power chilling. Like I called, I called members of my family and I said, we're on the same page now. You, we are totally on the same page. It's like, it's like I went from an atheist to an agnostic at mm-hmm. that particular point when I redefined love instead of define God. Mm-hmm. It was more of just like, and now I just don't even prefer any labels. I'm just on the pursuit of love and I'm on the pursuit of what that means. But I don't think you can have love without the the friction, the sun up, the sun down. The I don't think you can have, you know, pain without pleasure i don't think that you can have life without death so there's so many opposing forces so to me it's like just the same thing as you can't go plant corn in the middle of a street it's just not balanced like it to me that's not love love is like it's 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 the right conditions and most importantly it's me not getting in the way of other people's balance it's it's it which means it's an absence of me and you it's an absence of but it's also the presence of me and you it's the weirdest weirdest thing uh, i think about this shit all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, it's i mean it's a non-dual right it's yeah. not two so there's two but it's not two it's right. exactly like, it's and mind and body because what you get that place there you know mm-hmm. you're able to you're able to um i think one of the hardest things for people in our world to do is to not judge <laughs> judgment is the place where what well, I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's the anti-position from what you're describing yeah. mm. so um, judgment is a okay it's putting you yeah. in the other's place mm-hmm where you're like, it's you, and I'm not you, and you're you, and you get to be all of you. All of you, whatever you is, that's what love is. It's like complete non-judgment, literally right. saying it is 
okay, use this bad word manifest. It's like you're the manifestation right. of the of the power of whatever you are, whatever it is. It, it okay, it's like woo, 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 woo. But as soon as you see judgment, you immediately see the opposite of it. It's disruption. Right. It's like it's like yep. you're if you're not allowing something to grow, you're just simply not allowing it to grow. There's nothing more or less in that. It's just I gotta let John be John. Right. It's Monsanto. <laughs> it's Monsanto taking a seed and creating a seed that cannot be used anywhere else but with their product. fertilizer, yeah. with their product. It's like it's the complete it's is is devil is, is whatever whatever evil is is that is the definition of evil because it's not allowing our natural normal creativity to just come through and alive. You know one of the things I um it's really I, while we were while you had brought up love and God is love and all that and the first thing I thought was Love is the complete absence of judgment, right? And so that was something I started thinking about, I think through like the process of, or the, the practice of meditation over and over and over and over and over. And one of the things that I got from meditation is to be an observer of, you know, discomforts of judgments and all that stuff rather than, and, and that's, how I practically remove the attachments to things, right? Right. So I make myself the observer. So like when I'm in traffic and somebody's putting on mascara while they're texting and drifting into my lane, you know what I mean? I still take the necessary precautions, but I'm an observer and I don't have to start dropping F-bombs and all that kind of shit. Um, When I set fire to my kitchen the other day, (laughs) I remained totally calm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, when I uh, am running and it starts to hurt really bad and that red light is flashing and you have, you know, you have that choice. Am I going to bail out now or am I going to keep going? It's so much easier to keep going now when I look at the pain through the observer lens. It makes it, it like, it's a, it's a game changer. I didn't want to use that word, but I don't well, know. You were te- that's what you were explaining about your children is yeah. that you don't have an opinion. You don't have a judgment about right. what a happy and fulfilled life is. Right. That's what I think is the most beautiful thing about that statement is like you didn't even try and you didn't even try and paint a picture of what that would look like because it's not it your is. it's not your thing. I don't know. It's what it their is. thing. So I don't know. I think that was a that's what I that's what I think you nailed it. I don't, um, I'm glad you didn't try and explain that, what it was. That's been one of the best like tools that I've come across maybe ever is being able to look through that observer lens mm-hmm. at almost, you know, and I'm obviously I'm, it's not something that I can do all the time, but I, I really try and practice and, you know, if I'm hungry, I can't do it because I'm a cranky as shit and look at that bitch, BMW bitch, you know, or whatever, you know, that kind of shit, real petty stuff. Um, but even at that level, I can go, you know what? I live in a big city with lots of traffic. Get off your phone. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. And that observer thing, like if we want to come back to the run, like it has changed the way, like I, you know, like the scariest thing in the world when someone say, all right, we're going to do a tempo run and you know that you immediately have to go into discomfort and just hang out 
you know, that level of discomfort where you're in control, but you're just really not happy for like 20 minutes. Um, or if you're in Steve's workout, it's like, yeah, <laughs> for 90 minutes, it's a little longer. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like and we, that, we, we walk you up to it. Don't that, worry. it. And now it's like, it just, the 20 minutes just goes by. It's so meditation and running. Yeah. That well, it's like, and that has been, and that's the other lesson I've gotten. I've re- received from medica- medication. Medication, <laughs> Was meditation. Medication. 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 What? <laughs> um, but uh, from meditation is like you don't think about the end result. You don't think about the enlightenment. You don't think about the reduced blood pressure. You don't think you know all that kind of stuff. You, all you do is this is what I do every day. And I think when people uh, like come into a training group and they say, oh, I need this sub three hour or I need this, you know, hard rock qualifying time or whatever it is. Like if, if you as a coach can get them to the point where that, and you know, that goal never goes away. Right. But it just goes on to like the the heating pad. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you can just say, look, here's what we're going to do. And when it comes time to talk about that, we'll talk about it, but we're just not going to worry about that now so that they can focus on just going for their run. And I think that observer tool is a really good tool to use for people who tend to, um, tend to get too wound up about it. You know, the objective observer is is like i mean that that to me is is the ultimate pursuit is just become the objective observer of life itself as it is yeah it's just so important to me and that doesn't mean you don't have emotional experiences or intellectual experiences or anything like that or physical experiences it just means that it's so hard yeah (laughs) it just means that you understand that any any consequence of any situation you're in is you know unless it's life threatening you know you don't have to be anything more than an observer but you i mean and you can still engage as much as you want but you just don't attach yourself to it and ultimately that's i mean and it's like that's the fundamentals of like eastern Eastern thought isn't right. The attachments and all that. It's the first of the life suffering and suffering right. is attachment. Suffering and is, you is, can is, get a way out of suffering and the way out is this path. Just sit on yeah. grass. Stand in the time yeah. and find the witness and, and find that objective observer. Um, and you, and you have a chance. Yeah. And so that's the, using that objective observer tool is, has been the easiest way for me to like sort of fall in line with that part of it. And it may, it just makes, I have one pushback though. It just reduces the stress level a ton for me. I'm not pushing back against Michael or John and yep. I'm pushing back against the word objective. Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't like that word. Yeah. Because I don't think it's real because I don't like it in science. I don't like it in religion. I don't like it in the pursuit of any activity there's no such thing as objective. We are subjective 100%. Anybody doing an objective activity is subjective. 
you might have objective models, scientists trying to create as much objectivity as possible. But if a human is involved, subjectivity is involved. Mm. Period. Good luck walking me. I'd love to give someone to give me an example how that's not true. Now, the reason I bring that up is because one of the things I think that's that Michael leaned into, he said, but it's so hard because people are thinking that they have to be objective and we're human. Right. We're never going to be objective. What you're doing by having that, that witness position, that position of observer position is that you're saying it's okay. Uh, It's gonna come and go. Yeah. There is no, it's a fucking mess. Oh man. And the mess is the beauty and the beauty is the mess and it's all going to be something else. But we are never, this is why I get so grumpy about people when they think about their running and they turn themselves into machines. They turn themselves into science projects and they stop being a living system that's trying to work shit out. And I think if you sit back from that position and say, okay, I'm in a witness position and I'm witnessing my subjectivity as objectively as I possibly can, recognizing that even that is a question. Like, even that is a problem. That's the push and pull aspect of it all, which is interesting because the subjectivity is driving the desire to be objective. Correct, and you can't get out of that circle. Doesn't mean that we should stop trying. So it's not, it's not, it's is, not yeah. like, it's not like, okay, this is the problem with postmodernism, right? People say, okay, now everything's relative. Right. Well, if we're subjective, then everything's relative. No. I mean, there are laws of nature. They'll apple up in the sky, they'll come back down and hit the ground. Right. So whether that's a real thing or not a real thing, I'm not going to get into all that, right? Like that's going into deep neuroscience and going into rel- uh, of like like physics of relativity. But in our, exig- in our day-to-day experience, there are rules. There are, there are principles that are in play. But we just do our best. But we are not going to be able to, um, all we have to do is be our best. All we have to do is be our best. And your witness position says, my best is to sit and observe. Because I have a lot of other shit. My my subjectivity is so messy that I can actually get a little more objective with my subjectivity, but just never gonna get, I I just like to say that, like I don't, the reason I say that is because I think people, I see so many people get themselves in a position where they don't recognize the messiness and the beauty of the juiciness of life. It's okay. Shit happens. Yeah. Literally. It's poop. Yeah. Like poop. You eat an apple. It comes out as poop. Right. To not, and we flush it. What do we do with our poop? We don't even know where it goes. Where do we go with our trash? We don't even know where that goes. We used it. It's gone. Like we have no circle. We have no juiciness. We're just constantly, anyway, I could go on for hours about this particular topic, but I just wanted to bring that up. Not because I didn't want to, I didn't want to push you guys out of your space. It's like, I do think witness is exactly where we need to be. But the idea of objectivity to me is like, it's just, it's just one of those peeves for me. It's like, I can't. Oh man, I've been obsessed about objectivity, knowing that I'm not objective. And I think you need to lean into that lack of objectivity to try to be as objective as possible while giving yourself the grace to know that if you weren't, okay, let me just say, if you were purely objective, you wouldn't even know what you wanted. If you got there, you well, wouldn't I've, even know that you got I've it. Put a, I've put a, a va- it's interesting to me because I've put a value on 
objective observation for a very long time as a pursuit, probably because there's a counterpart to that, which is subjective um, behavior and thinking instead of objective observing. And I maybe there's somewhere along the way that I placed morality into being objective yeah and those lines got crossed but i do have a value that being objective is morally sound yeah and i like that you challenged it because it like it it doesn't feel doesn't feel kosher yeah, I would just say good luck with that. I know, no, and that, and I'm saying like I, I can read you loud. You, I read you loud and clear on that. It's, it's almost liberating to to be like what you're saying is like it's okay, Michael. You're human. Well, and let's just go back to human and, shit, and and let's like, go full okay. circle with this thing, right? Like what you're basically saying is objectivity is the power, or and I'm saying uh, a ch- subjectivity is the chill. Mm-hmm. So chill chill but bring power you can't you can't not be objective power chill chill, right you've got to bring but the chill what you're doing is you're just trying to power through that necessity to be messy and ornery and i mean i i don't i haven't known you very long michael um but my guess is some of your the greatest attributes you have are that subjectivity piece that is you're just so creative and so flexible and so like i think you're probably creating a dichotomy because it's better to operate in that space because you're seeing in the end that you might have some negative attributes that you'd like to turn to positive and i just think that yes we do want to be balanced but we don't want to lose the shadow from the light because the shadow you're a you're we're a shadow too and what i know of you what i respect the most what i'm so happy to be in dialogue with is your shadow <laughs> not mm-hmm. not your not your light right i mean because you're so interesting i mean all three of us were in i mean i i to say it to by myself is like a little bit cheesy and weird but i mean we're uh, we're not boring it's our shadow <laughs> sides that kind of compel the. Yeah. <laughs> it's the poop. It's yeah. the shit that we want to push aside and suddenly say is not there. But what fertilizes the food? What makes all the things happen? Like I don't know. Anyway, it's yeah. I I I. I this is um, kind of kind of rocking me a little bit because it's it's maybe the for whatever reason when you were talking about that it was I just kept thinking of the word I don't know why but but I think I've been told it before like give yourself a little grace yeah. and I'm like what is grace I don't I don't think I understand what that is that you don't deserve it yeah grace it, is that you don't deserve it but you're gonna get it anyway and I do we deserve the sun to rise well, we get it anyway yeah do you do you deserve your wife's love nope but you get it anyway. Like, do we deserve our children attaching to us and holding on to us to, to help us guide them? No, but we, they do anyway. Such a beautiful gift. 
It's like hard to own that gift and be like, I can't hold it. It's too big of a gift. And I don't think our modern love balance or love or grace or whatever it is. It's like, it's not, maybe it's not just balance. It's not just fertile soil. It's, it's a, there's power in the, there as well. I mean, there's, there's this idea that there is the presence of something it's not the just the absence of nothing. It's the absence of nothing in the presence of something. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I would just like, say bingo. It's heavy. It's heavy. Balance is heavy. So there is something out of that that manifests that becomes um, being objective manifests the idea that we can understand that we're subjective. Being subjective manifests the idea that we can probably become more balanced. Like, it's fucking crazy. Well, it, guys, I didn't think this sucker was going to go anywhere. <laughs> See, and that's the cool, that's cool. If you think it's not going to go anywhere, sit tight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's, uh, well, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 